Welcome to the Earwig Review, episode 33, 34? I don't know. I don't care. I do care. Um, I should stop. I'll stop caring eventually, but it's always fun to feel like you're accomplishing things by getting to a higher number. Um... So we're getting, we're in the 30s. That's great. Congrats. Thank you for being here. Um, I love thinking back to episode one and how dumb it was, um, but how, excuse me, um, but how much you can kind of, um, learn by just doing something again and again. Um, through doing this podcast, I started making the other videos, as you guys know. Um, and I think it's sort of starting to make sense. The one I did last week took a lot of work. Um, it's about me reading this baby book. Um, essentially, uh, I'd pro- been procrastinating reading it, um, and I, and I kept renewing the book, um, and I renewed it the maximum amount of times, and then I only had, a, like, a week left, and I had, I couldn't even bring myself to do it, because I was scared, because it felt too real, and as much as I've talked a lot about how excited I am for, for a baby to come, um, I think a lot of the anxieties were hidden behind that, that book. So, um, I made a video out of it, um, just as kind of a, a tool to, to get the book read. Um, so, so I read, had to read the whole book and then I recorded all of my thoughts as I read the book and then I had to edit all of my thoughts. So I had about, it ended up being about an hour and a half worth of notes that I just kind of recorded with my GoPro, um, which is another um, issue, is the this camera is amazing um, for some reasons. It's so compact and you can kind of hide it when you're out and just put it in your pocket and you don't have to make such a big deal out of you know what you're shooting. But um, the quality is sometimes extremely fucked. So um, anyway, don't have to get into the technical technicalities of it all. But with the last video, um, I definitely was testing the limit of, you know, I, I like to tell a lot of my students at the film school um, and, and people I met in the film industry that cameras don't matter and it's and it, and uh, fuck off with your fancy lenses, um, blah, blah, blah. But I think I'm really starting to test, um, to test that, that theory and see, you know, how much I can even stand. So figuring out, you know, a good um, way to shoot. It's, it's an ever, ever changing thing. Anyway, uh, I got that video done and... And that was awesome. And I think why I'm so excited about it um, 
is the that format of like reading a book and using that as the structure for a video of like what reading that book was and, and putting reading into the forefront. Um, I think um, it was the first time I, I feel like I found some kind of anchor, some bearing, some structure into like into those videos because I've been very trying to understand like how do I structure these things really so it's not just random footage um, and then you know tied together with like some weird music or something so that was the first time I was like okay the structure of the, the those other videos can be the structure of the vlogs I should say can be um, the me reading a book that it's a, it's just enough to be um, to just give enough foundation for it to stand um, so that's been really exciting um, and it will force me to it's it's a it's almost it's a nice game to play because it makes it that reading becomes double double doubly doubly productive um, in that it's also a way to make a video and it's also a way to it's an excuse to read more um, so all great things yesterday um, uh, I got to spend the whole day reading and finishing this book, which I think I've talked about in the last two episodes, A Death in the Family, Karl of Nausgaard, his first book, and I think a six um, episode series. And um, basically, I just got to spend the whole day reading the last, however much was left of the book, and finishing it. And one thing I got to really say, and this is like, you know, this is a big deal is that when you spend an entire day, cause some Saturdays I just take off and I just like watch TV literally all day, like do the 10 episodes or something. I haven't been doing that lately, which is good. But the difference of how you feel when you read a book all day for that same amount of time versus how you feel when you watch that amount of TV, it's, it, it's it's insane when you finish watching tv for that long literally your body's going to be aching because you're going to be in some weird positions your brain's turned to mush you probably have some kind of headache you've been eating junk food you feel like shit you feel fucked you had it was fun it was like don't get me wrong i get it but it's like you really just like you know bathed in fucking liquid sugar for 10 hours it was like you know uh, taking like a instead of taking a bath in epsom salts you went in through like literally fucking glucose and fructose felt great but now what did you really just do to yourself it's terrible when you read for that long takes there's a different kind of discipline that goes into it but you feel awesome you feel smarter you have a, a kind of a natural energy. You, you got some ideas that um, that are now kind of in you, like they're they're part of you in a way that 
the TV just can't really pull off for some reason. It's it's an amazing thing. Um, books are a technology the same way TV is technology. Books haven't been here forever. Um, so it's really just, it's not, yes, books are better in a lot of ways, but it's a different technology and it has different, it's that discipline that you put into it that, that somehow, um, leads to a better, it's more, it's just more fucking healthy. You understand what I'm trying to say. So that's great. I want to read right in about the middle of the book. I feel like this is where the book really kind of comes together. Now, let me just say, I loved this book. I really, I can't imagine a book that could have, um, that I could have enjoyed more or gotten more out of, I suppose, um, in, in where, where I'm at right now. It's really hard to explain why. Um, but there's something about his point of view, his tone, his writing style that really just feels, um, so I guess satisfying and, and kind of calming. Um, it's also, you know, a lot of the books I ended up reading are from a hundred years ago and that's great. But it's a hundred years ago. And the fiction, nonfiction stuff, obviously, it's a lot. You get a lot newer, but something about fiction and reading old books, it's always kind of this thing. But it's really nice that this is a relatively new book. Uh, two th I think this one's from uh, 2000s. The whole series went into the 2000s. What are we seeing here? Published in 2012. Jesus, yeah. First published in 2009. I think the first translation in English was 2012. So, you know, that's pretty great. And uh, I, I, I guess when you're reading something that's 100 years old or whatever, um, there's just that kind of disconnect. It's this kind of suspension of disbelief where you have to like always be considering, you know, what was the technology like, what was going on in the world. But with a book that's this recent, there's just a different way of connecting to it. And then you really don't have to, it, you, it's easier to understand, I think as a whole. So, um, so that was great. And I think he hasn't, what I'm trying to get at is he has an understanding of the way the world is in, in modern day. And there's some catharsis that goes on that addresses that in this book and how he, I guess, speaks to, um, I guess autobiography and fiction and the way that those things have combined um, in recent times, I think is, is a bit of what it is, you know, 
it's hard to articulate exactly, but uh, I love this book. And the good news is he has five more of these in this series, uh, among others. So I'll be excited for the next one to come in from the library. Let me read this next this passage. And it's basically right in the middle of the whole book. And there's something about it, I don't know, that just was like, it stuck with me. I think last week, maybe it was the week before I read something else from this book. I think it was, it was last week. Um, and he was addressing how a lot of, he was addressing form. And I think that that's been a, um, that's been helpful because I think I've been struggling with, um, with form or always, I'm always struggling with it. It's like, and probably always will be, but now I'll get to the passage in a sec. This is another tangent. Uh, surprise, surprise. Um, the, the thing about form and, and me and where it all kind of, where I'm at with it right now. Uh, I think when I f first started out, I wrote poems when I was young. And then uh, I really spent um, my kind of years getting out of high school and early university, I guess like my early 20s, uh, tackling long form prose and like, uh, as much as I, I kind of could, but when you're in your early twenties and writing novels, it's a weird, it's, it's an odd time to write that kind of stuff. There's something about it. And I, and I feel like even at the time I was like, I know nothing about the world. This is really fun. And I'm like learning a lot, but I just like, uh, I knew there was something odd about it. There's something about that form and that age that, that's. Or it's just a sort of odd. I don't know. Um, and then I think realizing how difficult it was to... Um, I kept playing with the form, I guess. And like... Um, and was trying to understand how I can make a living. So I was like, okay, I got kind of sucked into the ad industry, copywriting, thinking, look, I can write for money. That's my goal, right? Is to write for money. <laughs> and I, I knew I was like, okay, that's gonna, let's see what happens. And then I can keep, uh, let's see what happens if I kind of put, take a step into the, the corporate world. This would have been my mid twenties. I guess I'm going into my little writing career story. And I, there's a lot of really interesting things to learn in that world for sure. But I also fucking hated it. And it was a complete, um, there was never a time where it didn't, where I felt comfortable or I knew I wasn't like completely, um, on like, a. I felt like I was a spy and I never felt like I was like myself. And, uh, anyway, uh, I was also like 
drunk and high most of the time at, at that point in my life too. And so I guess my uh, learning how to get sober and learning how to leave the ad industry was um, those things happened really at the same time. My way out of that was through like, okay, because I still felt like writing novels and poems was not a way to make a living. I just like, you know, didn't, it just didn't make sense to me. And, uh, and then I, then came the film industry and then screenplays became this new form where I was like, okay, well, that's interesting. It has like, you know, a lot of commerce attached to it and you can kind of have autonomy as, as a writer and, you know, you're not just writing corporate nonsense um, and, and marketing messages 24 hours a day. And that's great. Um, and I stuck with that for, I don't know, I guess late 20s to early 30s and learned a ton. But the problem with that, and that form is really interesting, right? It's like kind of either the hour long or the half an hour long TV episode or the hour and a half or the series, all that kind of stuff. And you're trying to figure out how to put your point of view into that form. Um, but what, what started to drive me crazy with that form, with screenplay writing, is that you were only ever writing an instruction manual and there was such a barrier between that document and completion, meaning, okay, here's an idea for a screenplay. I, I'm going to need like $2 million in order for this thing to be realized in the form that it's written for. A screenplay is not a finished uh, product. It's a bridge between, uh, it's an instruction manual that ends up going through a lot of different people, a lot of different departments, and a lot of different stages of the, of the filmmaking process in order for it to eventually get on screen. And it's like, that's great. Um, and for a lot of years, I was, um, all of my income came from pr film production, but I wasn't, and I was, helping other people write and writing my own shit. But it was, there was something not, I felt I could remember back to when I was writing novels when I was 20. Um, and I was like, that was, that was better. There's, this doesn't do as well as that. I took all of my screenplays, adapted them back into fiction and I was like, I don't even know what the fuck is going on anymore. Um, and this is getting into like more or less recent times. Um, and I suppose now it seems like the form has, has been writing these daily poems, um, turning them into a podcast, which is another form. And then going into making these vlogs on YouTube. So it's like YouTube has kind of been the form. And when I look back at my YouTube and most of these videos I have on, on private, but there's videos that I was making since I was 20, 
me filming my friends and then subtitling their fake dialogue or like me doing weird shit. They're kind of similar to what I'm doing now. It's like, uh, so I'm still figuring out the form thing, but as it stands, I'm like, whatever I'm doing, essentially it, it routes through YouTube at the end of the day. And it's kind of the way of all of those, all of those years of trying to figure things out. They just feel like they all kind of combine in some way, um, in there because me writing a long ass novel like this, uh, and trying to figure out how to market it and, and deal with it, it doesn't feel, um, it doesn't, for some reason, it doesn't seem like something I can do right now. Um, and, uh, anyway, the way that he addresses form from his perspective and his generation in his own way and what then and how he kind of expresses the form in these novels that he's written, uh, I think is truly amazing. And I feel greatly inspired, um, by his point of view. Now, let me read this. Um, so it's a, it's smack on page 200. The beginning of it's 199, uh, page 199 out of 393. So it's quite close to the, the really the middle of, um, of the book here. So really the paragraph before the section before he's talking about kind of discovering a lot of paintings and art galleries um, when he was uh, a young person and how they kind of, um, what they kind of meant to him. I didn't know what it was about these pictures that made such a great impression on me. However, it was striking that they were all painted before the 1900s within the artistic paradigm that always retained some reference to visible reality. Thus, there was always a certain objectivity to them, by which I mean a distance between reality and the portrayal of reality. And it, doubt, and it was doubtless in this interlying space where it happened, where it appeared, whatever it was I saw when the world seemed to step forward from the world, when you didn't just see the incomprehensible in it, but came very close to it, something that didn't speak and that no words could reach, consequently forever out of our reach, yet within it. For not only did it surround us, we were ourselves part of it. We were ourselves of it. The fact that things other and mysterious were relevant to us had led my thoughts to angels, those mystical creatures who not only were linked to the divine, but also to humanness, and therefore expressed the duality of the nature of otherness between better than any other figure. At the t same time, there was something deeply dissatisfying about both the paintings and angels since they both belong to the past in such a fundamental way. The part of the past we have put behind us, that is, which no longer fitted into this world, we had created where the great, the divine, the solemn, the holy, the beautiful, and the true were no longer valid entities, but quite the contrary, dubious or even laughable. This meant that the great beyond, which until the age of enlightenment had been the divine brought to us through the revelation and which in romanticism was nature where the concept of revelation was expressed as the sublime no longer found any expression. 
In art, that which was beyond was synonymous with society, by which it is by which is meant the human masses, which fully encompassed its concepts and ideas of validity. As far as Norwegian art is concerned, the break came with Munch. It was in his paintings that for the first time man took up all the space. Whereas man was subordinate to the divine through the Age of Enlightenment and to the landscape he was depicted in during Romanticism, the mountains are vast and intense, the sea is vast and intense, even the trees are vast and intense, while humans without exception are small. The situation is reversed with Munch. It is as if humans swallow up everything, make everything theirs. The mountains, the sea, the trees, and the forests, everything is colored by humanness. Not human actions and external life, but human feelings and inner life. And once man had taken over, there seemed not to be a way back, as indeed there was no way back for Christianity as it began to spread like wildfire across Europe in the first centuries of our era. Man is gestilated by much, by his inner life is given an outer form. The world is shaken up, and what was left after the door had been opened was the world as a gestalt. I don't remember what that word means, gestalt. I have to look it up. With painters after Munch and the colors themselves, the forms themselves, not what they represent, that carry the emotion. Here we are in a world of images where the expression itself is everything, which of course means that there is no longer any dynamism between the outer and the inner, just a division. In the modernist era, the division between art and the world was close to absolute, or put another way, art was a world of its own. What was taken up in the world was, of course, a question of individual taste, and soon this taste became the very core of art, which thus could, and to a certain degree in order to survive, had to admit objects from the real world and the situation we have arrived at now, whereby the props of art no longer have any significance. All the emphasis is placed on what the art expresses. In other words, not what it is, but what it thinks, what ideas it carries, such that the last remnants of objectivity, the final remnants of something outside the human world have been abandoned. Art has come to be an unmade bed, a couple of photocopiers in a room, a motorbike in an attic. And art has come to be about a spectator of itself, the way it reacts, what newspapers write about it, the artist as a performer. That is how it is. Art does not know a beyond, science does not know a beyond, Religion does not know beyond, not anymore. Our world is enclosed around itself, enclosed around us, and there is no way out of it. Those in this situation who call for more intellectual depth, more spirituality, have understood nothing. For the problem is that the intellect has taken over everything. Everything has become intellect, even our bodies. They aren't bodies anymore, but ideas of bodies. Something that is situated in our own heaven of images and conceptions within us and above us where an increasingly large part of our lives is lived. The limit of that which cannot speak to us, the unfathomable, no longer exists. We understand everything, and we do so because we have tur turned everything into ourselves. Nowadays, one might expect all of those who have occupied all of those who have occupied themselves with the neutral, the negative, the non-human in art, have turned to language. That is where the incomprehensible and the otherness has been sought, as if they were, as if 
they were to be found on the margins of human expression, in other words, of, on the fringes of what we understand, and of course, actual, actually that is logical. Where else would it be found in a world that no longer acknowledges that there is a beyond? Um, there's a lot there. And uh, I think it feels kind of stupid for me to just like comment on it in my usual way, but um, I think what he kind of does almost as a mentor for us is take a lot of um, how it feels to kind of look through all of the art of the past um, and you see it, especially when you're young and you're experiencing a lot of it for the first time and you're trying to, there's so much to understand and there's so many different perspectives over decades and it's so much kind of bigger than you and you can like read through it in some art book or like a few articles on the library or Wikipedia, but like it's pretty fucked up when you're, when we're, you know, I was born in 1987. And so by the time I was like, you know, coming online, like art had already, as he kind of explains, like it, it's, it's really difficult to know what the fuck to do with it <laughs> and, and where, uh, and just how to take it all in, I guess through so much time and you're like, um, I don't know, but this is the most important thing. This is what I got to do in life, but holy shit. And I just feel like his kind of perspective and understanding, um, that's, it's expressed very well in, I, in what everything I just read. Um, and also in the greater context of the, uh, of the book, because the next paragraph he really starts to he ties that thought uh, where he left off it, right back into the death of his dad and kind of you know it's almost the uh, it really feels like the climax of the book where he, he relates you know his his adolescent life and to the present day where his dad's died and who his dad was and how this kind of you know those parts of spirituality and art i guess and death um i mean it's it's really beyond um my uh ability to fully explain and and that's why it's that's exactly what he's saying and it's fucking great and to relate this back to form it's like he uses the form of the novel and the autobiography um, to explain the, the narrative that he builds. It's just like, it's, I, you can't explain it. Um, it's beyond your average idea of three act structure. I mean, we could probably figure out like what that three act structure was. It's probably pretty clear, but it really, um, it feels really transcendent of, of, you know, anything we're used to. And, still stays within the form. So, you know, how long did I do on that? A while. That's fine. 
that's Carl Nausgaard. Um, and I'm excited to read his next book. What can I say? Let's get into the posts um, and see what happened. How to be good. This is... Um, thinking about form again and the so the small poem sometimes um the 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 small poem feels so insignificant compared to the big novel um and i think there's really no resting until you've conquered both i think i don't know Unless one day I can mature enough that I no longer feel the need to to try to do this. You know, and I have. I've written things this long, but not in a way that uh, really... It's so hard. <laughs> uh, it's so hard. And, and this book is damn good. Anyway, here's my little poem. How to be good called if something is good then it is good if something is not good then it is not good people will like it if it is good people will not like it if it is not good people are dumb often and you are also a dumb person often if you are not a dumb, a dumb person often enough, you will become not good. If you are dumb often, you will be good. Become as dumb as possible, and then you will be good. Do not become dumb, and you will remain not good. <laughs> I feel like I've been uh, drink too much coffee. I mean, too much. That's uh, I've drinking a lot of coffee and was just on this like huge tear. And now I'm like reading my poem. I'm like, um, but I like that one. I think it's like chill the fuck out and. Uh, And, and I mean, it's kind of like, um, this idea of, of the intellect and the way that he's talking about it in the book, right? Not to just like keep going back to this passage in this book, but, um, I think that's kind of a bit of my way of processing that idea or how I relate to it. Um, yeah, and I think that's a big part of, of what this, you know, this podcast and, and these ongoing poems have been about is like how to be stupid and how to be comfortable in that, you know, the intellect does not rule over this land we've, we've carved out. 
um, here at the, the Earwig Review. So if you're interested in being dumb, um, this is a show for you. <laughs> this is the safe space for fucking idiots like us. Uh, make yourself at home and sincerely welcome. Let's read the next one. Colic at 35. Am I 35? Yes. I will be 36 um, in a month and a bit. I'll be 36 before I have a baby. I'll be 36 when I have a baby. Sounds about right. I hadn't been feeling like myself these past few weeks. The truth is, I still have colic at age 35. But I had a better day today than I have in a little while. I read 98 pages of the baby book. I have been procrastinating reading it for over a month. And now that I've gotten into it, I'm feeling better. If I do the same tomorrow and the day afterward, I will finish the book. And then I will know what there is to know about calming down a crying baby. Afterward, I should read a book about what happens when my wife goes into labor and you need to drive us to the hospital and know what to do while she is giving birth to our baby. Um, I need to change that line. What happens when my wife goes into labor and I need an I need to drive us to the hospital and know what to do while she is giving birth to our baby. Good enough. Um, I think I had to delete out the whole part of the video where I really talked about the next, the desire for the next book that I want to read in the world of babies. And I, f I think I found one that'll serve that purpose. Um, uh, and it seems like one of the classics I forget, but it's in transit in the library right now. I'm hoping, I have a feeling it'll come tomorrow and then I can return in house guard uh, and then grab that book and uh, I'll kind of binge read it and maybe do my little book report video this week. Uh, or maybe I'll do part one and part two because doing the whole book plus a video was like, you know, that burned me the fuck out. It was a lot. Um, and let me say this. Um, I wasn't able to journal for a couple days because uh, I was just editing through all that footage so much. So I didn't feel like I wasn't writing or anything because I was literally subtitling all of this and editing and blah, blah, blah. Um, but I wasn't able to do my usual journaling. And usually I do at least an hour a day spent throughout the day or sometimes all in one. And for a bit there, I was feeling like I was kind of um, over exhausting it. I was like, like, I'm just so, uh, like, I've just written, I've been writing so much in my journal that I just feel a little crazy. And, uh, and so to actually have a couple, literally, like, I think it was Thursday, Friday that I missed. And, uh 
to feel a I felt like wow I really miss doing that like my hand just feels like not it's like a real the physical part of it I really missed um but also the exercise that it is when I sat down and maybe this will come up in the, the last few posts but when I sat down to write at the uh the post at the end of the day um I was like I felt like I was weaker because I wasn't keeping that muscle as strong as as uh, I had been because I was editing so much and reading so much. So I was like really finding the balance between how much reading, how much video editing, how much actual writing. That's the I'm never going to figure it out, but I'm going to keep trying. Anyway, I feel like this topic of, uh, I really started feel I like broke down basically, I think on, on Sunday night with, and with my wife and we didn't have a, I don't call it necessarily a fight, but we had to have like a real kind of talk about what's going on. And, uh, you know, it result, I, I came down, I started to cry for like very minimally. I just had like a few like, oh fuck. It kind of, you know, like in, when you go to therapy and you get to the those points, but definitely like we hit a nerve and, and that's good. And then through that, I was able to recognize like, you know, baby fears and all this shit. So this is basically a result of that. But I, I think I really exhausted the subject on that video I released um, this week. And the next day I was able to post this. I finally read the baby book. I procrastinated and renewed it three times. That is the maximum amount of times you are allowed to renew a book. And then I binged it in the last two days. It is due tomorrow, but I did it. And now I feel like less of a pussy ass bitch. I know what colic is now, and I have some ideas as to how to soothe a crying baby. I was thinking of buying some burritos to practice swaddling. But I thought maybe that wasn't the best idea in case I end up eating the baby. Tomorrow I will take the book back to the library and I will try to find another one. Um, I couldn't really help but writing that joke even though I was like, this is so dumb. <laughs> but uh, there it is. For those of you watching the video, you can see I have this delicious green smoothie. Look at how that color is. Um, this is um, green smoothies from my wife. She makes them downstairs um, and, uh, and she's really good at it. So thank you for sponsoring this video um, to my wife and making uh, these green smoothies for us. And, and I love them, and thank you, and I love you. And uh, thank you for making me the smoothie um, today. Um, all right, let's go to Windexing, the next one. I thought of writing long sentences here like the ones in my journal, but somehow it seems impossible to do. 
I don't know why I have the urge to write long sentences and paragraphs. Excuse me. Maybe because it's a serious thing to do. And it's great to be serious, but it is also incredibly dumb. A serious person will windex the bathroom mirror. A serious person will not accidentally sneeze on the bathroom mirror after windexing it. They would cover their mouth and not get it all over the place. They may even hit their head against the cabinet as they try to avert their face away from the mirror that they have just windexed. They may crack their head open and become permanently injured and even die. An unserious person may have to windex the mirror twice. They will look at their reflection and see themselves covered in snot. There is a third possibility to consider. Imagine that you windexed the mirror and then sneezed on the mirror and whacked your head against the cabinet and cracked your head open. It is the best of both worlds. I know that I veered off into serious bullshit with this whole mirror thing, but it is very difficult to hold back a sneeze. They say you should look at the light, but I have tried and it doesn't work. <sighs> Is there anything wise or useful about this particular poem? Uh, nope, not really. <laughs> um, that's not true. Let's, let me break it down slightly. Um, the first thing is like, you know, I think I've talked your ear off about form, etc. But I'm starting to be like, okay, the urge to write long prose is, is just kind of always around. Um, is there a way to integrate that into the poems more? Kind of like... Um, Immediately, I always think of James Tate that way, the poet James Tate. Um, and he writes these great, um, oh, I just remembered I need to Google that word that I didn't know from Nausgaard. James Tate writes kind of long form poems. Um, they're like these half, I don't even know if you'd call them short stories, but um, I think there's some inspiration to be taken from there. And some with this exact this one's a bit longer um and i think you can obviously see like how do i extend these poems a bit more how do i kind of move them on to their next life and so this is kind of a way of doing that um because this one's a bit longer and trying to integrate that journal writing into these posts so i feel a bit superstitious about it all but uh, that's kind of where where I'm at right now. Um, the word started with a G, and I think I have looked that word up. He uses it in two forms. I think it's like gestalt, right? G-E-S. I'm just trying to find it. Boom, 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 boom. Where is the word? Just like on the second page. And gestalted. Yeah. Gestalted. What the fuck is that word? G 
G-E. It must be fun if you know what that word means and you're like, man, it's this. Okay. Gestalt. So I type in the word gestalt and actually what comes up is the idea of gestalt psychology. The dictionary uh, first thing that comes up on Google that I think is routed through Oxford, whatever, who fucking cares. An organized whole that is perceived as more than the sum of its parts. That's great. Um, it looks like there's a lot to get into with that, but why don't we just leave it there? An organized whole that is perceived as more than the sum of its parts. And that's exactly... Um, the that's fucking great say no more i wish that word was a little more colloquial though it's just kind of like just stalt imagine it's like saying that in a sentence um but you know i think on last week's show i was writing about poetry essentially and saying uh you know when you eat a slice of pizza that is more than the that reminds you of a, a time of your childhood and it's more than just the bread, the cheese, the tomato sauce. It's like, you know, it's something more than the sum of its parts and then it's good. And same with when I was trying to explain what this, why this book is so good and why it needed to be in this form is, is another, uh, it's, it's really the magic of it. It's beyond, I can't explain it. That's why it's fucking great. Um, it's, it can't be replaced by a sentence or a couple sentences. So pretty cool. Um, so anyway, I think this Windexing poem and, and it came from, let me show you. There's a bottle of Windex that's been under my desk all week. Um, and it was here because I was cleaning off a keyboard that I sold. And uh, Canada's number one selling glass cleaner. Original with ammonia D. Streak free shine. Windex is cool. Um, I wonder. Oh, it's kind of weird, isn't it? Anyway, so I was just writing about a Windex bottle under my desk. Um, and thinking about being serious. So it's a little, you know, more along the lines of what we've been talking about already. Let's go to our next post notes on wishing. We picked up two pizzas on the way home from taking our cat. We picked up two pizzas on the way home from taking our cat to the vet. He has been struggling lately. After we ate the pizzas, we walked around the park. We were trying to take some extra pictures of Miriam to make sure we have some good ones so that one day we can remember how she looked when she was pregnant. Star, star, star. Okay, what are we at? The 52 minute mark. Let me, um, I have a fun, it just occurred to me. And if you're listening this far, um, I bet I can keep you for 
just a touch longer. Ah, fuck. Whatever. I'll do that next week. Um, for the star, star, stars. I just have my little keyboard. Uh, I think I, I unplugged it because I needed to plug it for something else, whatever. But I was gonna, there's a sound effect. I could do this in the future. It's so fucking dumb, why am I wasting time on this? When I do a star, star, star in the poem, <laughs> I could have this plugged into the recorder and then I could or like bing 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 <laughs> a sound for that but like just what the fuck get it together you totally just ruined the poem anyway uh, let me let me uh, let me just take it from the top and not get distracted by trying to uh... <laughs> oh god we picked up two pizzas on the way home from taking our cat to the vet. He has been struggling lately. After we ate the pizzas, we walked around the park. We're trying to take some extra pictures of Miriam to make sure we have some good ones so that one day we can remember how she looked when she was pregnant. We just heard a, large, a loud crashing sound and went downstairs to see what it was. Our cat knocked over an important plate. It is the one that Miriam's mom uses to put the Shabbat candles on each week. It is shattered now. It is broken into many pieces. I became hungry while we were downstairs cleaning it up, and now I am eating an apple and feeling guilty. I will say one more thing while I am here. I will admit that when I see the clock at 11.11, I cannot help but make a wish. It feels involuntary, like a reflex, and every time I end up wishing for the same thing. I wish for my family to be okay. I don't know why wishing seems dumb. I try to wish as little as possible. Perhaps it is just a matter of general goal setting. And maybe if I organized those thoughts a bit more, they wouldn't be so desperate to jump at clocks and magic numbers. Pretty straightforward. Um, but let's talk about the form a bit for a sec because I realized this is one more thing I wanted to talk about. This was a lingering writing thought throughout the week. And um, the form of this show is that all those thoughts end up, this is their home. Tenses. Present tense. Past tense. Future tense. When I was used to writing prose all the time, you're, oh, you're generally writing in the past tense. Just what you generally see. When you write, when you learn to write screenplays, one of the big learning curves is you have to write in the present tense. Everything that you're writing happens in this moment. And that was a big switch for me. And I, the times where I've written prose and screenplays, I have two projects on the go at the same time, that gear shifting is really hard. And when I took that time and took all my screenplays and turn them back into fiction, that watching the way that that kind of changed the narrative was, uh, was it's very significant. There's actually creates a, a weird kind of space that you can, that sometimes ruins some ideas and other times fixes some, some ideas and gives them more space to kind of, you know, another dimension to, to build upon them. Writing past tense stuff for me, you, it's not my interest as it once was. There has been times where I really 
like that, but not, it's been a long time since I've like, the past tense was really where I felt comfortable. So when I look at a book like Nausgaard's, I'm like, it's all written. It's not all written in the, I think maybe it is, but he, he kind of oscillates between some timelines and I don't know. He's mostly in the past tense. He's very good at that. But when I write in the past tense, I just kind of like, I don't fucking care. Like, and that's something that a lot of the, the podcast format and the vlog format and the daily poem format. So this whole kind of world that I'm, that I've been, uh, exploring, it really is a, it's about the present and sometimes the future, but it's very present tense. So it's almost like a lot of that present tense style tone that I learned from screenplays. It's like a way to kind of keep them into the fold while still um, making projects that don't rely on the film industry to be completed. That's a lot of what I've been up to. But the present tense and journaling it's in the present tense sometimes you're anxious about the future so you start to actually like you know imagine shit in the future um but it's more active in the present tense and uh i've realized like that's that's where i like to write from so how do you write a present tense long form narrative that's that's kind of my where my thoughts are at now. And that's why I'm like, huh, if I write, if I essentially, you know, I write in my journal, it's my process, it's my current process. Get all my thoughts, do my hour of journaling, sketching. Then kind of render that, like read through it, render it down um, into a poem use it to kind of build it out a bit more than just the the way I've been doing it lately or for years is just like this kind of one and done thought. So I'm superstitious about fucking with it, but it's also very fun to fuck with it. So I'm like, put more time into connecting those two worlds and creating more long form poems that then start to build into something a bit bigger. So it's almost like a glorified like um, a journal that's kind of, you know, ongoing. So anyway, I don't know if that totally translates, but that's where my, that's what I'm inspired to do uh, at the moment um, where I want to kind of amalgamate all of these different processes into, you know, into something. So I'm like, how do I turn these posts into something that maybe could, in sections, create some kind of novel? Um, you know, food for thought. And who knows what will actually come out of it. And here's my last post of the week. We're going to Costco on Monday night. I'm hoping to get chicken fingers from Costco soon. I hope I can go there at a time when it isn't so busy so I can eat in peace. I hope to have extra dipping sauces and extra ketchup. 
I hope to have some fries and a soda, a ginger ale or Diet Coke. I don't really care. Actually, maybe ginger ale. There isn't much else I feel like doing. We probably don't have time to go until Monday night. I will look forward to it until then. And that is the poem. It's kind of as good of a poem as I think I could ever write, to be honest, in that it's exactly true. <laughs> I was also really sad um, when I was writing it. I'm just going to adjust the camera and see if I can get my little cat in there. Not really before I start getting bad, but that's fine. Um, it's a great poem. I feel like I've been writing that poem in different iterations for, for literal decades. Uh, <laughs> coming up to 20 years trying to figure this, this form out. Anyway, that's the show. Um, thank you as, as usual for, for being here today. Um, I hope that, um, things are going well for you. As I was just saying, I was in a, I was kind of feeling really upset, not for any, no particular reason when I wrote that last poem and that was on Friday evening. And now it is and I had I felt like I had no particular desire left I was just like I'm kind of I felt like just I don't even I was just kind of I don't know a little what dead or something and now it's Sunday morning and I clearly am energized and um, have a lot that I'm looking forward to and I'm very excited to move on to the next thing. So whatever that may mean to you, I hope is potentially helpful. Um, and whatever you're planning on doing this week, creatively, I don't really care about anything else that you're doing, to be honest. It's all, you know, we don't have to talk about that. I don't give a fuck. But whatever you're doing... <laughs> whatever you're trying to get done, um, know that within a week's time, uh, you can probably do it if you just fucking... You know... If you just fucking get it done. Because last week... That book, reading that book, this time last week, I was looking at that book. It was ruling my fucking life. I don't, I returned to the library, but it's literally a fucking baby sitting on the ground laughing. And it was like, <laughs> it had, I was like, it was destroying me. It was, it was like, I couldn't get past it. And I was only halfway done reading Nazgard's book, but I was able to, to read both of those books and make a video out of the other book, out of the baby book, write all my posts. There's always way more to do. I taught all the new classes and 
just don't underestimate what you're capable of doing. Uh, find a way to just fucking get it figured out and done, and then you will move on. And don't worry about making things good. Only figure out how to finish them and move on to the next thing. Thank you for joining us today on the greatest Canadian fiction podcast in the world, The Earwig Review.